Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Good morning. Oh, wow. I don't know. It must be something about this weather outside. Everybody feels like they are awake today. Uh, maybe we had to do a little bit of shoveling before you came to church, but I am glad that you're here today. My name is Eric. I am the lead pastor here at Hillside Assembly. We're going to have an incredible worship experience today. Do you believe that? Yes. Oh, man. I hope that you're excited. If it's your first time here, we welcome you to Hillside Assembly. If you're visiting in person or online today, it's great to have you with us. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can visit our webpage, hillsideassembly.org. O-R-G. If you're here in person today, we would love for you to stop by our table in the foyer. We have two free gifts we would love to put in your hand. One is the purple book. It's a very easy to understand devotional to help you grow in Christ. And the other is a free account to Right Now Media uh, with over 25,000 pieces of digital content to help you grow in Christ. Our gift to you free. All you have to do is stop out in the foyer and talk to one of us out there. We're happy to give those gifts to you today. We do giving a little bit different here at Hillside, and we'll do it at the end of service. We have a giving box in the foyer. Uh, You can give your tithe checks uh, and giving checks there, or cash, or precious jewels, gold, whatever. It doesn't matter. As long as it fits in the box, we're good. Uh, So you can do that at the end of service. Uh, Mike will pray over that at the end today, uh, and you can be able to give. Well, I'm excited for all the things happening at Hillside. And I want to tell you, Jeb was up mighty early this morning with his ministry team. They were out giving us the weather update and uh, doing our announcements this morning. So let's hear from Jeb today. Well, welcome to Hillside this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. You may have noticed someone forgot to turn the heat on in Wisconsin today, but but that's okay because we're going to have a great worship experience together. And hey, let's talk about Christmas. That's one of my favorite holidays. And we've got something really special going on here at Hillside. On Christmas Eve, we're doing a special event. It's a live nativity and caroling. We're going to do two performances one at 2.30 and one at 4 p.m. Now we need lots of help to make this happen, but but there are only two speaking roles and they've already been cast. So we just need a bunch of performers and some singers. And and I know what you're thinking. We'd love to do it inside, but I asked Pastor Eric and he was not too thrilled with having camels in the sanctuary. So, So we're doing this outside in the lower parking lot on the 24th. Now, now we've got sign-up sheets in our foyer for all the different things that we need help with. But we need a minimum number of people to sign up for each area. Here's what they are. We need a minimum of three shepherds, but we can have a lot more. We need a minimum of two angels, but we can have a lot more. We need a minimum of three wise men and their entourage, but we can have a lot more. And we need carolers, and we just need a lot of carolers. We can take as many carolers as you want. We need four parking attendants and one person to help us with the spotlight. And maybe we need a partridge in a pear tree too. 
but we're gonna have a great evening. So sign up for those roles out there and it's for all age groups. The kiddos and the adults, we're doing one event all together. It's gonna be amazing. And don't forget, rehearsal is Sunday, December 19th at 11.15 a.m., right after our morning worship experience. Did you bring your Operation Christmas Child box to church today? I sure hope you did. Wow, look at all these boxes down here. Well, we're gonna be sending these boxes around the globe to kids. It's gonna be great. In fact, I've got a good friend named Zach King, and he and his team pack a box and hand delivered it to a destination. Let's watch that video together. Hey guys, we're doing something pretty cool this year. It's with a ministry called Operation Christmas Child. So we're gonna take this shoebox inside and I'm gonna show you what we're gonna do with it. So most of you probably haven't met my team here. And this Christmas season, we're packing an Operation Christmas Child box. You can follow your box if you pack one and see what country it goes to. And we have a cool opportunity today for Rachel and Elisa to take the box and hand deliver it to a child in Grenada. But first, we need to actually pack this box. So I'm packing a lot of toys that I loved as a kid. My favorite was Legos. So we're putting a lot of cool toys and notebooks in there and dinosaur. You can't just have one dinosaur, you gotta have two dinosaurs so they can play together. So we're really excited to pack this box with a lot of toys because we still play with toys. It keeps our creativity going and inspires us. All right, our box is for a boy, ages five to nine. It's all set. So I'm taking them to the airport and they're off to Grenada. Here you go, here's the box. Here's our box for Operation Christmas Child. We are about to board our flight, so we'll see you there. following our shoebox to Grenada. And these boxes really do have an impact in these kids' lives. So, now it's your turn. Go pack a box. Wow, that was amazing. Those kiddos love those packages. And you know what? They're gonna love these packages too. We're gonna make an impact in the kingdom this Christmas. Well, I'm gonna ask my good friend, Mr. Mike, if he'd lead us in a prayer over these boxes before we shoot, scoot, and boogie in worship. Mr. Mike, would you come and pray over our Christmas boxes. Sure, we'll see yeah, you guys later. Bye. And may our worship team prepare to minister as we pray. And uh, just uh, don't just think of these as boxes, but think of these as children that will be receiving these boxes. We don't know where they're going to go, but we believe in an awesome God. And I believe God will take each box to 
the right child. So if you would, please stretch out your hand towards these boxes representing the children of the world. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to give. And uh, Lord, consistent with our mission statement and vision statement, we want to connect with these children. We want to go by sending the good news of Jesus Christ. May they receive with gladness these gifts that maybe they've never, ever received before. And Lord, may they be representative, and we know that there, there's information in there about the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ, our Lord. May they receive the gift of Jesus as well as these boxes filled with gifts for those children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Is anybody ready to praise the Lord today? If you are, will you stand with us as we sing, Good God Almighty. Good God Almighty, I can't count the times I've called your name some broken time, and you showed up and patched me up like you do every time. I can't amnesia, I forget that you keep coming around, yeah, no way you'll never let me down. Good God Almighty. Your name, no matter what comes, 'cause I know where. 
keep praising your name at the top of my lungs. Tell me, is he good? He's good. Tell me, is he God?
scripture. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and the angels cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. transition uh, this morning to the next part of our worship experience. I just want to pray for needs this morning. I know there are, are many needs, and the way this service is designed today, this worship experience, we're going to engage in some really different type of worship at the end of service. So I want to make sure needs are prayed for here at the beginning. And among those this morning is, uh, I've got a good friend named Rocky Sauerbrei. And uh, he is struggling this morning uh, pretty immensely with his Lyme disease. I told him we'd pray for him. We want to lift up Jean Enterline. She's not with us today because her facility is in lockdown uh, from a COVID outbreak. And so she is here. Never mind. Look, miracles already happening. Just, just like that. So uh, I was just about to greet you online, Jean, and you're already here. Uh, so let's pray for those needs. You might have needs this morning. You might know of someone who has a need today. Do you know that your prayers are just as effective as mine? So I don't have to pray for something up here at the pulpit for you to pray right where you're at or at home. Your prayers are powerful. And we have a God who hears our prayers. So let's take a moment and lift these needs up this morning. God, we come before you as your people today. God, you're here to meet with us. Lord, your word says that you love us. And God, we know that you do amazing things. So many times in the word, we see men and women who were suffering, who were struggling, and you came along and you lifted them up. You transformed their lives, and in some cases, you changed their circumstances. You brought healing to, to individuals who couldn't walk and you, you made the deaf hear, the blind see. You healed many. Lord, this morning there is weights in this place on people's physical bodies, their, their mental, their minds, Lord. There's heaviness on their spirits maybe for things that are happening and they're going through. And God, we ask you to meet us right where we're at. We lift up Rocky Sauerbrei to you. And I thank you for a friend like him in my life. God, we ask that you would touch his body this morning. God, we ask for others this morning who are struggling in their physical bodies that you would bring healing 
God, we know that there are those this morning that are dealing with cancer and going through the treatment for that. And we pray strength would rise up in their body. Hope would fill their mind and heart. And that, Lord, most of all, your presence would be with them today. Lord, we pray over families in this place and so many struggles right now in so many different ways. But God, you bring families together. God, we thank you that we can trust you. And Lord, just as a, a sign to you that we need to surrender this so that we can pick up the things that we need to pick up today in this worship experience. Lord, we just lift our hands and we lift our hands closed, the things that we're holding on to, and symbolically, Lord, we just let them go. We let them go. We lay them at your feet. And Lord, we open our hands to experience everything you have for us today. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen, amen. You can be seated today. Before we get to today's preaching, we do have a very special thing to be able to do this morning. We're going to Jeb live outside right now. That's right, it's AG Express time. If all of our kiddos want to get up on their feet, grab your stuff and head down with Miss Jackie. She's right there in the back of the sanctuary. Hey, while our kiddos are doing that, let's give them a cheer. Woo! All right, kiddos, I'll see you downstairs for Rules with Jeff. The seasons change, don't they? We're all like, we'd love it to change back to the beginning of summer. Uh, but you know what? This is the season we need to be in. There's reasons why we need to go through this, because if we don't have the snowpack, guess what? We won't have the things that we need in the spring and the summer next year. And so God is, is wise. He has incredible wisdom, and he always seems to give us what we need and not what we want. And thank goodness God does, because if he gave us what we want, we'd make a bigger mess out of this thing than we already have. Amen? We're talking today uh, about being just like Jesus, message number 50 in this series as we're continuing to go through Mark. And we're transitioning. Last week, Jesus had this opportunity to talk with his disciples and to, to make clear some things about what would happen because they were so transfixed with the temple area and the beauty of these buildings. And Jesus throws out these remarks that, hey, these aren't always going to be here. And then he begins to tell them about some things that would happen in a period of time that we call the tribulation. But I want to tell you, Jesus didn't just stay there because Jesus is all about transitions. I think sometimes we can get stuck somewhere when Jesus is ready to move us to the next season in our life. And that we're transitioning now as we're continuing this road. It's, it's this neat experience because the passages of Scripture that we're looking at, we're leading up to the cross to this incredible event that took place, but just not the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus. And if it wasn't for the resurrection, let me tell you, the death wouldn't be that impressive. But the resurrection changes everything. Because not only did Jesus die for us, he rose again. That's where the power comes into play. And we're going to today transition. There's this intimate moment that begins to transpire as Jesus, his disciples, and some others are doing life together. If you were here for our nation's class, we talked a little bit about that today. So we're picking up in Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Now the Passover 
and the festival unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. There's always things going on behind the scenes that we can't change. Amen? I can't change things that, that aren't in my power to change. There's always things going on, but this didn't seem to worry Jesus. But they did not want to do this during the festival. They said, or the people may riot while he was in Bethany, reclining at a table in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignant, indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She did what she could. That's a powerful statement. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so we watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This passage of Scripture is written in three of the four Gospels. I want to read the passage from John as well, because it's going to give us some context for today's message. John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was, uh, was among those reclining at the table. Notice their positions. Martha was serving, and Lazarus once again is laying down. Man, every time Lazarus is in the Bible, this guy's laying down. <laughs> he's like sick, he's dead. I'm like, and now he's like in the lazy boy. I'm like, so that's just who he is. Verse 3. Then, then Mary took a, about a pint of pure nard and an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with this fragrance of perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what he was put what, what to help himself to what was put into it. This event took place about six days before the Passover, which would put it on the Friday before the triumphal entry. Neither Mark nor Matthew names the woman, but John tells us that it was Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Mary is found three times in the gospel story, and each time she's at the feet of Jesus. Luke chapter 10, John chapter 11, and John chapter 12. Mary had a close fellowship with the Lord as she sat at his feet and listened to his words. She's a good model for us to follow today a place where we should always be, at the feet of Jesus, 
listening to what he has to say to us. Mary's anointing of the Lord must, must never be confused with a similar event that's also recorded in the Bible in Luke chapter 7. An unnamed woman in the house of Simon the Pharisee was a convert, uh, a converted harlot, who expressed her love to Christ. Uh, of doing. Let's try this again. Sometimes you just can't read. Uh, this unnamed woman in the house of Simon the Pharisee was a converted harlot who expressed her love to Christ because of his graciousness and forgiveness for her and her sins. This event took place, this event that we're talking about today, took place in Simon the leper, a man who was once leprous, who obviously Jesus had healed. And in this place uh, that, that where there's celebration, where there's so much heartfelt communion and fellowship going on, Mary expresses her love to Jesus because of what he had done for her and what he was going to do. She prepared his body for burial as she anointed his head and his feet. She showed her love for Jesus while he was still alive. It was an expensive offering that she gave to the Lord. Spikenard was an important, uh, important uh, perfume that was imported from India. An entire jar would have cost the equivalent of a common worker's annual income. In today's financial setting, but probably between twenty and twenty-five thousand dollars. Expensive. Think about that. Mary gave lavishly. She gave lovingly, and she gave willingly. She was not ashamed to show her love for Christ, and that brings us to today's message title, and it's this: the consequences of your worship. The consequences of your worship. Have you ever thought about that? What are the consequences of your worship? Before this week, I don't think it's a phrase I've ever used. The consequences of our worship. I think the first thing that we have to do is to understand and define what the word worship really means. If your definition of worship is simply the time that we spend on Sunday mornings, two songs at the beginning of our experience and two songs at the end, I want to tell you your view of worship is far too small. And you're missing a far greater experience with Jesus. No, in fact, the biblical definition of worship is honoring God. We honor God with the decisions we make. We honor God with the choices we live out. We honor God with acts of service that bring Him honor and are obedient to His Word. When we love somebody like Jesus calls us to love them, that's an act of worship. Worship is far bigger than just a song that we sing. That's praise, and praise is a part of worship. But it's a part. It's not the entire thing. We'll get more into this as we move ahead. Here we see Mary's act of worship, and her act of worship comes with consequences. And I want you to know that when you have moments of worship with Christ, there are consequences to your worship. We should expect consequences in our worship. So let's explore the three consequences that Mary has from this act of worship together this morning. Consequence number one, the fragrance of worship. There are three consequences in this act of worship, and the first one was this. The house was filled with the fragrance 
of her worship. When she poured out this perfume, it, it didn't just stay in that spot. It permeated throughout the entire home. Every individual in that place could sense the act of worship. They could smell it. And it was this beautiful aroma. There is always a spiritual fragrance, an aroma in the room when we worship Jesus. Always. Not just with our songs and just not with our mouths. Anytime we worship Jesus, there is an aroma in the atmosphere. Authentic worship changes the atmosphere. Do you know that? Authentic worship changes the atmosphere. That's one reason why when we praise here at church, we do it a little differently than other churches. We typically do two songs up front. Why? Because we want to set the atmosphere for what God wants to do that day. So every week what I do, one of our three worship leaders, I communicate with them and I say, hey, this is where I think God is taking us for Sunday. I might give them my points. I might share a little bit. I at least give them the title. I'll definitely give them the passage that I'm preaching out out from. And then I let them seek God and try to come up with the the list that morning that would do what God wants it to do. Because I don't have to be in control of all that. I want to empower our leaders. And so they go and they pray and they have God speak to them and they pick our songs for any given worship experience. But then we do two songs at the end of service as a part of our praise to God, but in a different way. It fulfills a totally different thing because so much of the time when I've been part of church services in the past, even here, we do the worship up front, we preach the message, we give a prayer, everybody goes home, they never think again about it. And one of the reasons that we prioritize a time of praise and worship at the end of our worship experience is to have a moment to reflect on what God has spoken to us in any given Sunday so that we can kind of, kind of marinate. Any of you barbecue people know what I'm talking about. You put something in a marinade for a while, it soaks in the flavor. If we take a moment to reflect on what God's doing before we walk back out these doors into our mission field, we got a better chance to actually live out the aroma and the flavor that God produced in our life that day. Amen? Everybody with me so far? All right, haven't lost anybody yet. That's good. So let me give you some examples about how worship can change the atmosphere so that you know I'm just not making this all up up here. But here's some biblical examples of acts of worship that literally change the atmosphere. The first one is found in Acts chapter 16. It's Paul and Silas. They're thrown in prison, and not just any prison. This was a nasty, rank, damp prison. It would have been in the lower level of the facility that they were in. It would have been brick. It also would have been the place where any moisture would have soaked into, so it was wet. It was dark. It was not well lit, the scriptures tell us. And they were put on an inner cell, so there was no window. And here are these men bound in chains. Yet they don't complain. They don't grumble. They don't renege and walk away from Christ. They engage in worship and in praise. And as these two men begin to sing what happened, the atmosphere changed. And we focus so much of the time on these two men being set free because it says the ground shook, their chains came open. But can I tell you the bigger story there is everybody else in prison heard the worship of two men. 
So not only was the physical condition changing, but people's hearts were changing. And not only did their gate fling open, but everybody's gate flung open. That's the power of authentic, real worship. The second example we look at is in Genesis chapter 22, and it's Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son. Not exactly a, a touchy-feely great story. Here is God saying, hey, look, would you sacrifice? Would you give anything? Abraham says, I'd give anything for you, God. Great. I want you to give your son. He's walking this out in faithfulness, and it's not to the very last moment. I mean, here is his son laid out over the altar. He's got the knife ready to do the deed, and God says, okay, stop right there. And isn't it interesting that this act of worship of Abraham, what happened? If you read the rest of the story, there was a ram stuck in the thicket. It was an act of worship that led to God's provision, changing the atmosphere. Our third example comes from 1 Kings 18, one of my favorite passages to preach on. Elijah on Mount, Mount Carmel, the showdown with the prophets of Baal. You had a religious system that was so far away from God. They were worshiping prophet, or prophets and people and gods and, and these totem pole things called Asherah poles. It was messed up. It was some wicked stuff going on, but there were a few people still serving God, one of them, this prophet Elijah, and God had set up a showdown for Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And so they show up, and Elijah goes, hey, build your altar. Go ahead. You guys put the, put the sacrifice on it, and then call out to your God and see if he'll light the thing on fire. I mean, they go crazy for like hours. All sorts of weird stuff happening. In the meantime, Elijah's like taunting them. He's like, maybe he's asleep. Your God's asleep. Just sing a little louder. <laughs> you know, They're, I mean, just, he's just bringing it on. And then it, it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah gives very specific instructions. See, he gathers the people together and he goes, we're going to rebuild God's altar. He engages people in an act of worship. It's not about him. And they rebuild the altar of God and they put the wood on there, and they put the sacrifice on there, and they go, hey, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's pour some water on this thing. I don't know if you know much about lighting a fire. Wet wood doesn't burn. <laughs> and not one, that's why he's like, bring more water, more water. And I can go into why that was important, this whole huge thing, because uh, they were in the middle of a drought. There wasn't water to give. I mean, it was just craziness. But then, with a simple prayer, and a prayer that was about people recognizing God as the true God, not to, not to boast Elijah, not to build him up, but that people would understand that God is still alive. He prays and God sends down fire, and it's like barbecue time. Because authentic worship changes the atmosphere. It allows the impossible to transpire. Our last, uh, our last look at this comes in John chapter 6, when a boy gives up five loaves of bread and two fish. His mom packed him a happy meal for the day. But this boy was part of an amazing miracle. See, there was a crowd that had followed Jesus, a multitude of people. They were hungry. Hungry people following Jesus. Hungry people in a church service never works out well for the pastor. I'm just telling you. It's not a good thing. You want to feed the people. 
And Jesus understood that if we're going to feed them spiritually, we've got to feed them physically. There's a need here. Let's meet the need, and then they can hear the spiritual lessons that they need to take away. But they had nothing to give. They didn't have enough money to be able to buy food, but one young boy had this happy meal. And it was his willingness to give it, to surrender it to Jesus that was the act of worship. He surrendered it in Jesus' hands, and Jesus supersized it. Like, I don't know, that's a beyond supersize. That's like mega, we don't even have words to describe how big that meal is. God, I like it, God sized it. And here it is. And every single one of those people ate, and there were leftovers because of an act of worship of giving. Acts of worship change the atmosphere. You want to see your atmosphere in your life change? Hey, guess what? Engage in worship. Martha was busy doing. Lazarus was busy on the lazy boy resting. Mary took a position of worship. The word says she knelt. And listen, I want to be very clear on this. It's not about your physical position. The Bible speaks of bowing in prayer, kneeling on one's face before God, standing, sitting, walking. The most important thing isn't the position of your body. It's the condition of your soul and your heart, and that your heart would be attuned to God. That's the position that you need, because when that's right, your prayer and your worship can take you to unimaginable places. The fragrance of worship is unleashed by a heart that's submitted to the king. Let's make sure that we're worshiping with the right heart so that our life has fragrance, so that our home has a fragrance in it. Number two, the criticized worship. Because of Mary's act of worship, she would be criticized. The disciples, led by Judas, criticized Mary for wasting her money. It sounded so pious coming from Judas, who would talk about the poor when in reality he was stealing the money for himself, or at least a portion of it. But others piled on. Others got on board. Because what Judas was saying sounded spiritual. Can I tell you, sometimes things sound spiritual. People can say spiritual things. Heart's not in the right place. For many in the room, Mary's act of worship, they saw it as frivolous. So I want to ask you a question. It wasn't right for them to criticize. I'm not justifying their criticism. But did these people not have an authentic relationship with Jesus? I believe they did. They had walked with Jesus. They had seen the miracles. See, I don't think the issue here is, is the fact that they, they didn't understand the act of worship because we're not always going to understand someone else's act of worship. Mary's act wasn't frivolous because Mary did it out of her heart and her experiences. Out of all these people in the room, you've got somebody who was leprous and Jesus healed them, but none of them in this room except for Martha 
had experienced their sibling dying, being dead four days, and being raised from the grave. She had a unique experience. So if her experiences are unique, her outpouring of her worship was going to be unique. Because the things God's done in my life, he's done similar but not the same things for you or for you. Just as we're unique individuals, our worship needs to be unique. See, it's a matter of perspective. Her experiences were different from anyone else's in a room. The uniqueness of her experience led to her uniqueness in her act of worship, and therefore your worship is one of a kind. Do you realize that? Your act of worship is like a Picasso or a Rembrandt painting or some sculpture that's one of a kind. It's unique, and it's valued by God. No one else can worship like you. No one can worship like Mary. No one else can worship like Lazarus. No one else can worship this morning like Eldon or like Robbie or like me because we're all individuals. I'm a one-of-a-kind worshiper, and so are you. Your worship captivates the heart of God. Your worship captivates the heart of God. What you give, how you serve, how you respond, what you sacrifice, what you say, what you do, has Jesus' full attention. And that brings us to our third consequence of worship the acceptance and defense of worship. Jesus accepted Mary's gracious gift. He knew the heart of Judas and understood why the other disciples followed in this bad example. He also knew Mary's heart and was quick to defend her. No matter what others may say about your worship, about your acts of service, the most important thing is that you please God, that you please Jesus. The fact the others misunderstood and criticized the worship, the fact that others might misunderstand and criticize your acts of worship should not keep you from showing your love to Christ because we're not worshiping the people in the room. We're worshiping the King of Kings. And the only person's approval we should be looking for is his. Sometimes we'll have this moment of worship. And sometimes the criticism can come from the unlikely places. Because the day before you blew a fuse, you were having a bad hair day and you took it out on your spouse. And then the following day, you have an act of worship, and your spouse can't acknowledge your act of worship because they're still hurt by the offense yesterday. And see, the enemy comes around. He's the most critical of all. He'll lie to you and, and confuse you and tell you, you know, you can't, you can't worship. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't serve. You can't go on a missions trip because you, you struggled with this or you're struggling with that. 
or, or you said this, or you're not a real Christian or whatever, but you know what? We're not here to worship the devil. We're here to worship Jesus. And Jesus picked 12 broken men <laughs> to follow him. They were far from perfect. They were in the room at this act of worship. They made another mistake, but they would learn from it. They would learn from it. Notice that Mary never defended herself, but how often do we defend ourselves? She never defended her act of worship because Jesus would do that for her. I wonder how many times we've wasted time and energy defending ourselves and our acts of worship to others. We try so hard to justify ourselves and the decisions and choices we've made because we felt led by the Lord. But if our actions are true, are true acts of worship, Jesus is our justification. There needs to be no other justification given. And shouldn't it be Jesus who comes to our defense instead of defending ourselves? When Jesus gave, I'm sorry, when Mary gave her very best at the feet of Jesus, she started a wave of blessing that has been going on ever since. She was a blessing to Jesus as she shared her love, her emotion, her tears. And she was a blessing to the home that she was in because the fragrance spread. Were it not for Mary, her village, Bethany, probably wouldn't even be remembered today. The account of her deed has blessed not only the early church, but has blessed generations of the church ever since. We're talking about it today. Because one person, one person had an act of worship, and she gave. And because of the records in three of the Gospels, Mary is a blessing around the world today and still is. The Lord's prediction has certainly been fulfilled. Mary would give her best in faith and in love. Judas gave his worst in unbelief and hatred. Mary took a posture of humility, brokenness, surrender, and thankfulness. Judas took a position of pride, judgment, and bitterness and became hard-hearted. Robbie, if you'd come. Today, I want to give every person here, whether you're at home or you're here in our sanctuary, an opportunity, an opportunity to walk in the steps of Mary, to be humble, to be broken, to surrender and be thankful. As we end our worship experience today, it's not about asking God to do something for us. We already did that. It's our moment in time to worship him, to be thankful for what he's done. Robbie's going to lead us in a song, and I believe that this is the soundtrack for Mary's moment. <laughs> Thought we were going to old gospel, Southern gospel church there for a minute. I was like, get a little excited. I think that this song and the words that Robbie will sing it's Mary's viewpoint at this pivotal moment. I believe these words are what would be expressed from her heart. 
And I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And maybe as Robbie plays, you, you, you'll just have this pulling inside of your spirit that you need to engage in worship in maybe a different way than you ever had. You might need to take a different physical position. Maybe you need to kneel like Mary. And you can do that right, right at your own seat. Or you can come up here at the, at the front of the, the platform and, and find a place and kneel or sit. If you, so, if you so want to. Maybe it's a moment you need to stand and raise your hand. And maybe it's a moment that you're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to go deeper in you than ever before. And yeah, there might be tears and there might be snot. And I'm going to tell you it's okay. And we've got Kleenex, Kleenexes up here on the platform. And the enemy might say to you it's frivolous. You might wrestle with your own mind saying that this moment is frivolous. But any moment you connect with God is far from frivolous. Worship team, or guys, if you can just bring down all the lights except our, our LEDs. I think Robbie's got some lights on the piano. Because here's the thing. In this moment, there's no one else in the room but Jesus. Not your spouse, not your kids, not your friends. Just him. What has he done for you? His grace, so amazing, reached so far beyond my mistakes and my screw-ups and the things that I've been stuck in and the moments where I've faltered and fell. The moments where I've made other things God in my life. The moment where I ran to things of comfort that weren't good for me or the people around me. God was there through the whole thing. Jesus was there through the whole thing calling me to come back. He never gives up on you. How many of you have been healed by Jesus? How many of you have had Jesus step in and provide for you in a moment of need? He's worthy of so much. And in our English language, there are so few words to express it. Let's just take this moment as Robbie plays, and you are free to engage in worship. Like I said, if you need to change your position, to stand, to sit, to kneel, please do so. And these Kleenex boxes are up here. There's one on either side of the sanctuary. It's okay to cry, and it's okay to not cry. Let's just engage with the Lord in worship. Robbie, would you lead us? And I don't know how to say exactly how I feel. I can't begin to tell you how your love is meant. I'm lost Is there a way to show the passion in my heart? Can I express how truly great I think you are, my dearest friend? Lord, this is my desire. 
like wine for you to drink, like water from my heart. I pour my love on you. If praise is like perfume, I'd lavish mine on you till every drop is gone. I'll pour my love on you. Is there a way to show the passion in think you are my dearest friend. Lord, this is my desire to pour my love on you like oil upon your feet, like wine for you to drink, like wine from my heart I pour my love on you If praise is like perfume I'd lavish mine on you Till every drop is gone And I'll pour my love Like oil upon your feet Like wine for you like water from my heart, I pour my love on you. If praise is like perfume, I'd lavish mine on you till every drop is gone. I'll pour my If you'd stand to your feet this morning, and if worship team, if you would come back. Let's sing that chorus together to that song, Robbie.
Lord, as we close out our worship experience today, God, an act of praise, may it be more than a song. Lord, may it be an act of worship. Lord, at the end of this, Mike will pray, dismiss us, pray over our offering. May we give today as an act of worship. You're not done using this church, these people, to change, transform people's lives, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, there is much work to be done and much more adventure for each one of us to have. Lord, it is a blessing to give to you in our tithes, in our offerings, in our acts of worship here in this place and all throughout this week. May we honor you. May we love people. May we love our family and our neighbors and our co-workers like you love them. Lord, accept our worship this morning to you. lovely name of Jesus.
of God. God is good. Our tithes and offerings today as we pray over the tithes and offerings that we place in the offering box. The offering box out in the foyer there. We reflect on today's message about the gift and offering of sweet perfume poured on Jesus by a woman a great sacrifice of love, of the gifts we have brought for the children 
Amen? And in Philippians 4, 18 and 19, Paul refers to offerings that the Philippian church had made, saying, they are, this is referring to the gifts they had made, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's how God views your gifts, your offerings, your sacrifices for him. And the promise of God says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good God, a great God, the only wise, true, everlasting God, our Father, Jesus, our Savior. Lord, we thank you for what you have given to your people, and may they give back to you, Lord. And Lord, it's a, it's a cycle, and as we give, it shall be given unto us, pressed down, good measure, given unto us. As pastor said, that we can be generous people. Lord, we pray as we dismiss your people today, Lord God, that you would bless each and every one. And we know that your spirit, Lord God, is not contained to this room, but may your spirit go with your people, Lord God. And we believe it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said...
Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus when the sun goes down. 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 From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Amen.